Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. back everybody bob stopper brendan escott with you it's 106 in edmonton Oilers now brought to you by our title sponsor digitex who wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times digitex.ca is alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software in this hour david stables from the cult of hockey the Oilers now injury report for james h brown injury lawyers this day in Oilers history uh, for New West Travel, and John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. You can text us at any time on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday through Saturday. And uh, we are going to head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, the River Cree back up and at them as the province opens up and back up and at him as well. And the province opening up, that's where we're going to start. David Staples from Post Media, he covers the pandemic. He's also got the cult of hockey. And David, uh, Jason Kenny in the province announcing on Friday, 70% threshold, 12 plus with a single shot. Um, under 500 people in the hospital. Actually, I think we're around 200 right now for the province. And David, end result is phase three will start July 1st. Your thoughts? It's amazing, Bob, because in early May, uh, we were getting 2,000 people a day with uh, COVID. And the uh, hospitalization and death rates weren't as high in terms of percentage of those cases as they had been uh, before vaccination in December. It was fewer people on a percentage basis, but we were still getting a lot of people in the hospital and a lot of deaths from COVID uh, in May. And it's just completely, utterly crashed since then. Uh, we had our, I think it was like 57 cases yesterday, which was, it's been that late way for the last few days. And this is a level of COVID we haven't seen since uh, new cases since last summer. And in terms of um, the outcomes, you know, uh, uh, people, the vaccines have defanged the virus. Um, really, uh, 
you know, I'm a journalist, I'm not a public health expert, but it seems like the pandemic is over. It seems like we're, we're through it. And it's incredible news. It's, uh, you know, Dina Hinshaw, she's not going to have regularly scheduled uh, press conferences anymore on the pandemic because there's not much to say when you start to have that level of cases. She compared it. The medical chief medical health officer of Alberta compared COVID going forward to kind of a public health risk, the same as the flu or getting in a car and driving. That's what she placed it at. So it's fab- fantastic news. All right. Uh, so 70.8% of Albertans 12 plus have their first shot. And 30.4% 12 plus are fully vaccinated. And that is for the full vaccination, that second shot, that's improving by basically 1.2 to 1.3% a day. So it's entirely feasible by the time July 1st rolls around, 40% of the province will be fully vaccinated. Uh, not out of the realm of possibility, I think it's fair to say, David, by middle of July, 50% of the province would be fully vaccinated. Tell me this. What the heck happened yesterday at City Council? Because I got, <laughs> I got confused. It looked like they voted to eliminate the mask bylaw, which is for everybody listening. If you want to wear a mask, you can still wear a mask, even if they eliminate the mask bylaw. So you still have that right to. to but what? Because they've there was a, and it's a majority rules on council seven six. I'm told this vote. But hold on a second. A councillor by the name of Aaron Paquette did what? You tell us. <laughs> well, the the medic, chief medical health officer from Edmonton, Bob, recommended that uh, they can suspend their mask mandate as of July 1st, meaning we won't have to wear masks in indoor places in Edmonton after July 1st. He said it's safe to do so. It's reasonable to do so. Very reasonable to do so. And this is what Dina Hinshaw has found. And this is what we've seen across the United States where they're lifted mask mandates a while ago and there has been no huge outbreaks safe to do so but some councillors are still people are worked up about the delta variant which is now in england and um you know hinshaw herself isn't uh at this point she was saying that you know they're they're it's they're seeing some some increased cases from uh, the delta variant in england but they haven't seen this rise dramatic rise in hospitalizations because again the vaccine has defanged the virus including the delta the latest studies out of england say that the vaccines are as effective with the delta as they are with the uh with the other uh variants and the the, the original type of covid virus so nonetheless there are some counselors in, uh, who are still worried about the delta including aaron paquette who said there's you know there's a tsunami in other places and a tsunami is definitely you know it's the tsunami's coming here to edmonton of this delta um i just think they're um, not follow, you know I don't know what's going on in their heads, but the the the, the facts tell us that there's not a lot to worry about here. That we're going to be fine. That um, that it's that it's safe to open up anyway. So seven councillors listened to the um, chief medical health officer of Edmonton and of Alberta and 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 voted to suspend the mask bylaws of July 1st and 6th. Decided it would be more prudent to wait. Uh, wait see. So there was a vote. The one side, 176, we should get rid of the masks by July 1st. But 
there's a procedural thing where after the vote's taken, it's got to pass third reading. It's, you know, that's the first vote, then there's a second vote, and the third vote. And the, 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 the second two votes are just procedural. But you can throw a spanner into the works if you, if you decide to say, no, uh, I, don't, I don't go with how council voted, and I, I want to uh, delay on this. And it's supposed to be used just in rare circumstances where, other, where councillors are missing. Or people some missing from the vote. There was no one missing. I just don't think it was a proper democratic. You know th- that option was open to Councillor Paquet. I don't agree with his action in taking it. I think you have to respect the vote of the majority. And he's saying, well, with more time, the councillors by Friday. There's going to be a new vote on Friday. I understand, and they'll have more time to make a decision. Oh. He, he thought it might not be till mid July or July 5th the vote, but it's going to be on Friday. So I just hope that the councillors stick to the guns. They go with science. They go with the advice from the the medical experts, and they lift the uh, mask by law oh, on July 1st. By the way, just as an interest, what's the vaccination rate in the riding that he's in? Well, he's his ward. It's lower in northeast Edmonton. There's about a, like at the in the highest. There's about a 15 percent variance, Bob, between the highest vaccinated areas, generally on the south side of the city, and in the the lowest vaccinated areas in the city. There's about a 15 percent difference so, in the northeast. So, so there might be more. He's he's talking about talking to people who are very alarmed by COVID uh, in his area of the city. All right. So so Twinbrooks, uh, Sherwood Park, Saint Albert. Bonnie Dune, which would be the university area, those are higher vaccinated regions. And so here we have a councillor. So he, he, he doesn't, so we have a majority on the vote, but that's not good enough. He's allowed to delay. And I would assume that some of the people that voted to end the mask bylaw would be people that would be sort of business oriented councillors. Is that fair? Would that be a fair assessment? That's correct. I think that they're the more um, they're worried about the impacts of, of continued lockdown and continued rules on business, oh. and 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 so enough is enough in their mind. If there's no public health emergency, and the experts are saying end the mask by law, why would you keep it? And I think that's a that's that that was the winning argument. I think it's a sound one, and and uh, I'm glad the majority of council uh, went in that direction. I think Aaron should focus more and get more of his constituents vaccinated. And uh, we'll see where we go with that. And you know what? People, David, even if they end the mask bylaw, can people still not wear masks? Is that still not their prerogative? Yes, and Dr. Hinshaw talked about that. You know, this is a time of transition where, you know, Bob, people were so alarmed as recently as a month ago. It's hard, I think, for everyone to adjust quickly to the new circumstance where suddenly this isn't, this isn't a major public health issue anymore. It's hard to get that through our heads. It doesn't make sense on a certain level. Like, how could we go from being so frightened, many people, a month ago to, to like, there's not an issue. So it's going to take time. People all move at different speeds. Some people have greater health concerns than others. Yep. And so Hinshaw is saying, if you want to wear a mask, if you want to keep wear wearing one. a mask, do one. You know, go at your own right. speed. Go at your own speed and respect the decisions. We all have to respect the decision of people who want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. But it's, it's now not the government's job to enforce on this because there's no public health crisis. Just like on every other health issue, it's our job. It's, it's your job. It's my right. job. It's everybody's job. And I See, think most Albertans are real comfortable with that by now. Well, we have people texting so saying, what are you talking about? Uh, after July 1st, we won't be wearing one as per our premier, not in Edmonton, not anywhere. That's not true. The, the provincial uh, phase three step is to eliminate the mask, but in each municipality, they have their own decision to make. Is that not the case, David? 
I think so, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, earlier on, Edmonton and Calgary moved quicker to mask bylaws than the rest of the province, like by two or three months. And the, the you know, Kenny's position at that point was, well, it's up to the municipalities. They have that choice, and they still have that choice. I th- I, they have the local knowledge. They have specific local knowledge about their community, about the acceptance of masks or wanting to get rid of them. And they should make that call. I think that's, that's reasonable. All right, let's switch focus. Let's get to hockey. And again, David, I mean, the, the whole genesis of you starting on a permanent basis on this show was because we, you know, we started this when the pandemic started, and we'll morph into more hockey hopefully in time. David, you wrote a piece about the pro scouts, and uh, there, there's lots of variance, David, no pun intended, into how decisions ultimately get made. Give me your take on uh, on Oilers pro scouting, and, and is it maybe harder to assess and, and instead of individually, individually pinpointing success and failure, it, it is it is hard. I mean, in the end, the buck stops with Ken Holland. So whatever signings, whatever pro player decisions, pro personnel decisions are made, it all stops with Ken Holland. But you'd have to think, you know, that Archie Henderson, who runs that department, he's he's also has to be integral. But that doesn't mean that. He has the final say. He he does not. That's up. That's up to Ken Holland. So that's what we can say is that that there might be a signing. Let's say the Kyle Torres signing, yep. which I think is probably the weakest signing that we've seen in the two years by the pros by the Edmonton Oilers since Holland's been in charge. Just a player who didn't work out at all, and so the buck stops with Ken Holland on that. We don't know. Archie Henderson's or any of the other pro scouts or the, the head coach who also can have a say, other people who can have a say. We don't know who was arguing for and who, who was arguing against. All we can say is that, that that was a signing that didn't work out. It's on Holland. And um, what I would say, Bob, is whatever process that led to the signing of a player like Kyle Torres, they've really got to think hard about changing that process. So they, they should do a post-mortem look back. Okay, we signed this player. Who advised us to do it? How much uh, pushback was there from other people who got this right, who got this wrong. How do we change the process if that's needed to get make better decisions? Okay, okay David. And how I'd respond to that is, so do you do that for each individual player? Would you do the same thing for Tyson Berry and bringing back Mike Smith? Because I'm, pros- I'm not going to be a hypocrite here. I thought Taurus was going to work. I'm like, well, surely he can play as a third-line center. And it didn't. And when Mike Smith got re-signed, Edmonton went crazy last year. And then he delivered a wonderful year. <laughs> yeah. And it, through the first five games of the year, I had people texting. I had a guy text me when Edmonton started the year three and six. Stoffer, you're a loser. You were wrong on Barry. And uh, I hope Connor McDavid screws you guys and leaves. I had a guy. T- and then Edmonton went and had the third best record in the league in the final 47 games, David. And Tyson Berry led the NHL. In the- so I guess you're looking at Taurus. Do you apply the same rationale to Tyson Berry and to Mike Smith? Because those signings worked. You sure do. And, and if you're saying, Bob, hey, have some humility, everybody out there. You know, look at look at all of the predictions you made or, or your reaction at all those signings. That is a completely fair comment. Have some humility because a lot of the people who were dead set against Kyle Turris signing, for instance, were touting goalies who did terribly this year. Uh, who was that one goalie that we kept hearing about? Um, he, he had been in San Jose. Uh, no, not Markstrom, but there had been a... 
a bargain goalie. Oh, who Aaron Dell. Aaron Dell. Aaron Dell. That was like the the darling of the analytics community. I know they hate when people say that, that, but he was. They were saying, here's the bargain signing you can make as Aaron Dell, and I looked at it, it looked, looked, made sense. Um, you know, I, I tend not to take strong positions on players that I haven't watched closely for a long period of time. I've backed off of that because it's just too easy to make mistakes. But so, yeah, if you're attacking, you, you know, you didn't like the tourist signing at the time, well, you've proven to be right, but a lot of the same people were backing Aaron Dell. So it's hard to get it right. And uh, everyone makes mistakes. Almost everyone got it wrong. Let's uh, let's say Tippett got it wrong on Kyle Turris. Let's say he was the guy who pushed Kyle Turris. Well, he sure got it right on Mike Smith and trusting in Mike Smith. So you you weigh that. Like, well, maybe maybe the coach knows something. What I would worry about with any of the any of with let's say Tippett is has he seen the player play twenty thirty games recently up close and studied him because he saw Mike Smith all year and he had a good sense of that player, but maybe he didn't on Turris. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, this is an interesting one as well, David. We talked a bit about drafting. We had Brian Lawton on, and Brian basically said, we're taking Hedman. That's all there is to it in 2009. His scouts wanted to take Matt Duchesne at that time. Brian didn't get a live to see with the Lightning organization as a GM the success with Hedman. In your opinion, in your opinion, do you think the Oilers' amateur uh, drafting has improved in recent years from, say, the 2000 to 2014 period? Oh, I think it's almost definite, Bob, that that's been the case. Partly because 2000 to 2014, it was abysmal. You know, you have to, to be a successful team in the NHL, you have got to identify players who are going to be top line players. You know, top six forwards, top 4D, top goalie. You've got to identify those players after the first round. You know, maybe every second or every third year. And if you don't, you're you're failing. And the I can only see two players from that period. Uh, Jeff Petrie and Jarrett Stoll, Bob, who met that meet that definition. So in all of those 14, 15 drafts uh, total, 14 or 15 drafts total, two players. That's just no wonder the Oilers had the decade of darkness. That's what caused it as much as anything. But in recent years, uh, between Bob Green and uh, Keith Gretzky and all the other people working at this, and and more recently Tyler Wright, I mean, there's all kinds of players who still have that potential. Uh, who are trending in the right direction and have that potential to be these top four, top six players. Now, you know, for some of them, it's like a one in four chance and others, it's like 50-50. But, you know, here's my quick list. Caleb Jones, Ethan Bear, Stuart Skinner, Dmitry Samarukov, Ryan McLeod, Raphael Lavoie, Ilya Konovalov, uh, Carter Savoy, Tyler Tulio, and Matej Blumel, although there's a little bit of confusion about what's going no, on with met, Blumel. You, no, no, you missed it earlier in the day. The orders did not have, he's a free agent. They did not. He say. is a free agent. So, so that's a miss. I, like, I don't know what happened there, so I'm not going to well, comment I, other than that's well, a, no, that. No, well, I, I'll, I'll tell they you find what, I'll tell you what happened. He was scheduled to go to school, and had he gone to school, that would have delayed the process for him. Instead, he opted not to stay in school, went to the Czech League for two years, and then the Oilers had to decide whether or not they're going to sign him because he's playing pro, and they elected not to sign him. So that's what ended up happening in that situation, and you can call it a miss on a fourth-round pick, and that might be a fair assessment. Others might say, well, that's the cost of doing business, taking a swing on that player in in that slot before. The one guy you didn't mention was Nima Linen. Because uh, Nimalainen and Sam Marukov, one of those guys is going to be, my guess, the third pairing left shot D in a couple of years' time. 
just for what it's worth. Sam Arukov just crushed it, Bob. Until he got hurt uh, early in the new year, he was killing it in Moscow. I watched, uh, you know, six or seven or eight of his games, his shifts, and he was fantastic. He was just so consistent. And it's it wouldn't be as I, I would say he's in terms of a percentage chance of making it as a top four demon in the NHL he's of the players I just listed the demon he, he might be at the top of that list all right uh well and this brings us to Tampa Bay because there's a lesson in what Tampa Bay part of the reason why they've been successful is because of the very thing you're talking about and they've still got more second and third round picks coming that have got a chance to be players, uh, guys like Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk, that are going to allow them to move out three of the following four players. We know Tyler Johnson is going 100% for sure, uh, and then two of either Palat, Gord, or Kalorn, because they've got guys like Kachuk, uh, as well as uh, Matthew Joseph and uh, Radish coming. And, and that's part of the lesson, isn't it? Is that Tampa Bay stocked it with a lot of second, third, and fourth round picks. It's so in their lineup right now. There's Anthony Sorelli, Matthew Joseph, Palat, Johnson, Kalorn, Yanni Gord, and Ross Colton. These are all key players. Some more key than others on the Tampa Bay Lightning. These players all played significant amount of time, at least a season in the AHL. They were developed from within. This is again something the Oilers didn't do because they drafted so poorly in part. But this year, Bob, they have uh, Tyler Benson, Ryan McLeod, and, and Cooper Marody. These guys have all at the same age as the group of Tampa players I just listed. They, they all crushed it in the AHL just like these Tampa Bay guys do. And if the Oilers are on track with a development model, which Ken Holland pushed in Detroit and Steve Eiserman adopted out of Detroit into Tampa Bay. I think those three players could be keys this year. I'm saying every one of them will make it, but I just want to see. I I hope they qualify Marodi and Benson, and I hope that uh, each of these players aren't blocked this year. They're ready. They're overripe. And the Tampa model is to give these players at this age a real shot at the pro lineup. And we could, you know, we don't know if Cooper Marodi, for instance, could be a player as good as Yanni Gord, but he had a real similar season at the same age in the AHL. So why not give him a chance? David, great stuff. How do people follow you? Uh, at the Cult of Hockey. Uh, uh, just Google the Cult of Hockey or at D Staples uh, on Twitter. Thanks, Bob. You bet. That's David Staples. 126 in Edmonton. A quick text uh, before we go to break here. The drafting improved because the boys on the bus club vertical integration of the Oilers organization was an echo chamber. Adding outside voices and decision makers from the dynasty years was the best thing for our club. That isn't to say they didn't have good moments and decisions, but holistically and broadly, it was below league average. And again, even with some of the amateur scouting calls, um, maybe not after round three, but certainly in the first couple rounds, there were some influences there once in a while as to who got selected where. I remember having an animated discussion at the 2014 NHL draft. Not with Dreisaitl, great pick, but with some picks that were made for rounds four through seven and the age of those picks. It was spirited as we sat there and watched a World Cup soccer game in the uh, Oilers suite after the uh, second uh, day of the draft. Con- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Quick timeout. When we come back, we'll go to the Orders Now injury report for his friends at James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Into the Oilers Now injury report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters in injury law. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang at James H. Brown, they want you to stay safe and stay positive. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Here's Brennan Escott. Okay, Tampa's Eric uh, Chernak was on the ice this morning for the uh, morning skate. Jan Ruda was not. He left Game 5 after Matt Barzell cross-checked him in the face. Uh, Cernak has an upper body ailment that made him a late scratch in Game 5. Islanders forward Oliver Wallstrom healthy enough to go for Barry Trotz if needed, but the 11th overall pick from 2018 likely to be a scratch tonight unless something comes up late. There you have it. Uh, we will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, our NHL insider, John, Shagan, John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.